Hey, Steven. Hey. Hey. G Dog. G Dog is. Yeah, it's, what it's we correct. G Dog. No, I thought you said G Da or something. G Da. So hey, G Da. G Da. I have oh, a cold. G Da. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah, so okay. Um, I feel like we played that one. Why don't you well. give us? Yeah. What, what do you want to do this week? What do I want to get rid of? Yeah. All right. You. All right. Mm, I want to get rid of trash. I think I want to get rid of trash flies. Uh, God. Do you? So. <laughs> I, I in, in a total. I've been to your apartment. Mm-hmm. So you guys seem to be lucky in that you have the. Um, you just have like a very traditional apartment building, so mm-hmm. the, the your trash is like outside. Outside, it, but it's also in the front, or is it like well, in the little alcove? It's the been moved. Alley? It is now in a in a protected alcove where you okay. have to open the door with a key. But it used to just be on the street, so on the sidewalk. Without so our hallway runs directly through the middle of the building. So like it's you know there's the street side, which has a row of apartments. Then there's a hallway that goes straight down the middle, hot dog style, and then a whole nother row. And then the windows on the sides, they're open because like there's no airflow there. So it's like, got to have them open. Mm-hmm. Well, on one side of those windows is all the garbage. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of units in my building, i.e. a lot of garbage. I think that was the improper use of IE, but maybe ergo. <laughs> ergo is the correct one. You want to be pretentious right off the top I of this podcast? I never stop. God. Never lost. Um, ergo, a lot <laughs> flies of flies. in your apartment. And they go in through the window, and then there's flies in the apartment, mm. and they're sitting there being like, we throw, we're like, we're throwing away all the food. Right. You know, like, you know, we, they're, they're getting into plants and all that, sh- all that stuff. Mm. And it's like, what, the, what is doing this? And then you go to leave, and there's flies in the hallway, and you're like, oh, right. That sucks. This is where this happens. Uh, and I, I hate that. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, they're not fruit flies. They're like flies. Big flies. Right. They're not little, they're not like itty bitty babies. Itty bitty They're flies. like big old baddies. Big old babies. <laughs> big old babies. And, you know, mm. good old 10 pounders. Ooh. Um, That's a terrifying image. A 10-pound fly or a 10-pound yeah. baby? A 10-pound fly. Because the baby couldn't help it. Yeah. The baby didn't I, choose I've to be born ten, that way. No. Is 10 pounds was very large point, for a baby? Yes. Very I was a large, large baby. That's and also I was a large baby and I was 9.4? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. My, my brother was like 6.9. He was like a baby-sized baby. <laughs> yeah. You were... Not a, what? I, I, he was a baby size. He was yeah. like a normal-sized baby. Right. Yeah, doesn't matter because in come middle and early high school, we both had the same problems. What up? I uh, mean, about other things or just like? No, I mean, just like weight problems. Weight, okay. You know? I thought so. you meant like, because in middle he high school. He beat genetics for had... that. He oh. beat genetics for like the, that first year, you know what I mean? Mm, he right. was like, uh, I believe the youth today would call him a snack. He was a little snack baby. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, snack, it means. Um, like if so, so hot you just eat them. You just want to eat them up, you know. So he's a little snack baby. Like, um, like cute. Yeah. Like the way you say to a baby, you just yeah. want to eat it up. Right. Okay. Definitely that. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna do some. No, like a urban like a. While yeah, we I mean, continue. it's just it's just it. I feel like it's clear. Okay. Like a hot. Well, if you feel like it's a. Clear. Okay. You know, Got like it. a hot. So a sexy snack. A sexy snack. Like a snack. It's like, ooh, ooh. A snack. I ship them. 
Did you say ship? I did. I've left. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> What's happening? Um, use another ling. Um, God. No, I just, you know, Ergo. What Ergo. I think it's my turn. Please. What do you um, want to get rid of, Gina? I, I'm going to steal something from Andy Rooney. <laughs> We're going to find out in a second why that, what that means. Um, uh, and I'm going to agree that we should get rid of book jackets. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, you know, they are usually just annoying. Mm-hmm. They fall off of a book if you've got a hardcover book, obviously. Softcover books, you're like, we don't need them because they don't have them for softcover books. Hardcover books, it's like, do we have them because the tradition was like a hardcover book is like very precious, you know, or more expensive. And so you want to protect the book. Mm-hmm. But what's the, like, how many people who have hardcover books without a book jacket have actually like banged up that book so badly that it's in bad condition? I don't know. And I, I just think that they're annoying to get in the way. And I think it's far cooler looking to have a, you know, a book jacket book. This Do you is the ever... most boring no, I mean, thing to get rid of. It, it's fucking riveting. Uh, no. <laughs> Thank no, you. I'm, I'm sure a number of people have already just gotten rid of them themselves. And but just throw them away. I'm yeah, a yeah. big old saver. And oftentimes I'll... Mm-hmm. So I don't like to use them as a bookmark. No. I think that that's like a that's like a that's a poor man's bookmark. Well, and it's um, dangerous because eventually you're going to get too far into the book. That well, then you, you switch to the back reach, flap. But there's sometimes there's a you know there's well well yeah thing yeah in the middle but that it, don't it's reach definitely dangerous it because you get the like the you flap. get the splitting on the like cover corners and then you start yeah. to get like fraying around the binding. It's very frustrating. Uh, and I, as somebody who like takes um, meticulously good care of their books, it is, it, it, it drives me nuts when it starts to split. So oftentimes mm-hmm. I take it off, leave it like on the bookshelf, read the book sans uh, dust jacket, mm-hmm. then put it on. Um, also, it's just kind of weird that we've created something that will, what, catch dust? It's like this thing is going to collect dust, but like I don't throw it away and I don't clean it. So I'm just saying like, oh, I'm going to... I'm protecting the book from the dust, but then it'll be dusty when I touch it. Right. So I'm just going to put like a a hair's breadth between the... I'm falling asleep with my own choice. I'm not you. I just, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm just like listening to this idea in my head and I'm like, I can't. Why, why... Why did I bring this up? You picked. You did. I picked it. You I'm picked saying, it. I didn't now you interrupt you. Live I just, with it. Okay, you're right. How do you feel about? So I just my 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 reading of In Search of Lost Time is not going well. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's not going well. But it is a paperback <laughs> book that has flaps. Oh, yeah. Attached and, to the book. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's just like a. It goes. Oh yeah. Okay. I've pulls seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, gotta say. Um, I used it for like a hot second. Same sort of splitting started to occur. And I was like, well, uh, F me. I got to get my BM for this PBB. Bowel movement? I got to get this bowel movement. For this paperback book. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously. Sorry that I didn't Uh, clarify. No, yeah. Um, Not bookmark, bowel movement. (laughs) Obviously. Um, Yeah. So then, so yeah, I... I guess this is so boring no, that we should start I the boring. show. I hate <laughs> to offend the l- I... tax the list disease. The what? 
I tax the listeners' ears. Oh, oh. the listeners. The listeners' uh, ears. I just sound like you yeah. made a fumble, but you didn't. I made a fumble in my hearing. Wow. I don't Gina, know what's up. To, put uh, yeah. the gun I'm away. Just, you know, this is not a target. It's my heart. We're, we're, okay. <laughs> it's good radio. It's good radio. They want to feel the tension, the my hatred, God. the can vitriol. We, can, we, can we start the turn? Okay, please. Can we, can we start? Yes, please. Can we start? Okay. Um, yeah. So we are, this is, should we keep this? The cultural <laughs> review podcast, you know, and love. And it looks back over the past 50 years of film, music, and television to challenge your nostalgia and get at the question... Should, should we keep this? I'm Stephen Moskis. I'm Gina Stevenson. And today we are talking about E.T. and... Well, so we're the year 1982. E.T. and... <laughs> 60, 60 minutes. minutes! I was, just thought it was fun. I want to do it with you. Right, so yes, we, yeah, E.T. E. the Extraterrestrial was the top grossing film of 1982 and... The top-rated TV show was the news program, 60 Minutes. That's correct. Also this year was the Best Picture winner, Gandhi, which we are not right. talking about because it turns out that it's very long. It's so and long. We, it's three hours we couldn't do it and 20 minutes time. long. No. I would like to watch it someday. Right. But not this day. Right. But odds are, if you remember anything about Gandhi, um, it's Gandhi and not the film. So, like, I think that... I think that History will forgive us. Um, I don't know. It's a, but either way, we did what we did. You know, yeah. we can't go back. We we can't go back, we and we won't back. go back. We won't go back. No. So uh, yeah, we're gonna talk about. Yeah. You want to start with ET? Yeah, <laughs> we're really doing good with the overlapping uh, and saying the opposite. Uh, yes. No. I can't. So I we're gonna start with all ET. Right. But first of all, so 1982. I've got nothing quippy or funny. But this is the year of investigating the other. Ooh. Because of the news, which we'll get into. Ooh. And then, you know, E.T. is an alien. The right. Alien. Very true. Very true. Um, okay. So E.T., the extraterrestrial. Um, this was a top grossing film, 1982. Uh, it begins with a spaceship landing in California. And we see some very peaceful aliens who we know they're peaceful because they're like collecting little plant samples mm-hmm. and stuff uh, come out of the spaceship. But then this group of... Law enforcement officers, government mm-hmm. officials, delightfully ambiguous, uh, appear, and the aliens flee. Of course, um, but one gets left behind. No, and then meanwhile, we meet this suburban family. Um, who's this boy, Elliot? His older brother, Michael. His younger sister, Gertie, and their single mom. Um, and of course, you probably guessed it. Elliot discovers that the alien. He discovers the alien in their backyard. It just, like, Ugh. hobbled over there. Um, and Elliot decides to take care of the alien. Um, the, then, you know, so he takes start, decides to take care of it. The brother and the sister meet it also. They all decide to keep it a secret from their mom. Uh, they call it E.T. Uh, for some reason. It has powers. It can levitate things, can make flowers grow. What? Because he's an extraterrestrial. I know right. what I was E.T. Like, means. Like, I mean, a they reason. could have called him, like, uh, alien. Gus. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know, yeah. Gus. Exactly. Um... Anywho, so yes, it can levitate, levitate things, make flowers grow, heal small wounds. Um, Elliot and E.T. also develop a telepathic connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gertie teaches E.T. to speak English, which lets them figure out that um, he wants to, E.T., wants to make a device to allow him to phone home to call his people. Um, and they help him construct it. Meanwhile, the government is apparently spying on everybody in suburban homes, and they figure out that this family has the alien who they've been looking for. Um, and 
they a bunch of things happen. E.T.'s like staying a really long time and he gets really weak and ill and they and he's like sort of dying. Um, and then, you know, the scientists burst into the house, they turn it all into a lab, they question the kids, um, they actually seem to be trying to maybe help, um, but E.T. dies, but then he comes back, uh, to life, which, Mm -hmm. which tells us that his fellow aliens probably got the message and have returned to get him. Uh, the kids sneak E.T. out, they ride bicycles into the forest, they're chased by police cars, it's all very exciting, and they get E.T. to the spaceship and they all say... Very extended, tearful goodbye to their friend. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the deal. Yep. Um, you want to talk a little bit about this this movie's cultural impact? Oh, hell yeah. And so um, budget, about $10.5 million. And then it made $619 million worldwide. Um, now, we did watch an interview in which he said that it was... You know, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg, yes, uh, claimed in this 1982 interview that it was about, um, you know, seeing ourselves in the other and trying to humanize the other. Well, he has also claimed something that to me is a little bit more convincing, which was that when he was a kid and his parents got divorced, he used to imagine that he had an alien friend. Mm. And I was like, oh, well, this seems a lot like that. Um, seems a lot more real. But yeah, Columbia Pictures thought it was a weak. Uh, a weak approximation of like a would-be Disney movie and that it would only draw little kids. So they didn't want to make it. And MCA bought it from Columbia Pictures for a million dollars and 5%. And it became one of the highest grossing films of all time. Mm-hmm. And um, this is, let me see. Oh, I'm not, I'll save that for later. Fun fact. Uh, there was a, a principal scene um, after the frog dissection that was cut from the movie, and Harrison Ford played the principal. This is, you know, after Star Wars. This is after uh, Indiana Jones. So he's like a huge star. It's it's kind of wild to me that the scene was cut yeah. from well, the movie. But if you watch there, because the, there's a sorry to interrupt you. Just Please. I'll pause this. Um, but no, just that that the like one of the conceits of the movie is like you don't see. Adults, adults from the waist up. And so, if yeah. you see the clip, you actually like you don't see Harrison Ford's face, and his voice is really different. Mm. So you almost wouldn't know it was Harrison Ford right. unless you looked in the credits. So I think it, I want it's just interesting, right? Um, um, so yeah, his face the, was showing if they would have kept it because he's such a big star, right? Um, he actually the the way that adults were shot, which is like not from the waist up or from the front, was a, an homage to um, these Tex Avery cartoons, which is why like it's not until um, it's not until like halfway through the movie that you start to see people from the waist up. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a 20th anniversary edition that replaced a lot of the police guns with, uh, walkie talkies. And there is a particular reference to a Halloween costume that got switched to a hippie. Um, but despite these changes, Spielberg now tells people that he prefers, the original version to any of the changes that were made. Um, one, Wait, we get one big producer. Oh, well, I just want to talk about it later because oh, okay. I, I, I find it with... very um, bias inducing. Uh, so gotcha. we'll okay. deal with it later. <laughs> gotcha. um, one of the producers, it was her first film as a producer. She had previously been um, Spielberg's assistant. Her name is Kathleen Kennedy. And this was her first film. She went on to produce 
the Jurassic Park franchise. Then she became the president of Lucasfilms. And so she is now, her box office record is second only to Spielberg himself, um, wow. which I think is just a crazy, incredible accomplishment. And this was her first movie. Um, and yeah, everyone else, no one else like went on to really do much. Lots of people worked considerably. Um, Peter Coyote was sort of already a star. Um, and then Drew Barrymore, this was like her first movie that where she wasn't a so little bitty baby. Cute. And she, you know, became Drew Barrymore. Yes. Um, and she's like the only real member of, mm. There's she's the only like living member, I guess, of America's only sort of like acting dynasty. Because um, it goes back like over 100 years at this point, the Barrymore mm. dynasty, yeah. yeah um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so then the big... The big cultural things are the boy flying in front of the moon, like on a bicycle, and then the phone home. Oh. Um, ironically, not ironically, but interestingly, some of the uh, the first ten years of movie references, see, there was a lot more of like ET being a being a friendly alien or like aliens, something, anything regarding e, uh, like an alien being like, well, this is not ET, okay. That really seems to die off after like 1990, and then is when we start getting like phone home, mm -hmm. and, and which is like become by far the most like reference thing for the mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Also, I mean, this is, I guess, cultural impact. But I feel like there's so many. I didn't realize until watching it this time how much of Stranger Things like took sure. from ET as yeah. far as both like the look. The kids, they were playing. They were D &D playing Dungeons and Dragons. I was like, first "What?" Scene together, yeah. uh, the way that they ride their bikes, like even just the shots of them dropping their bikes, right. were exactly almost shot for shot for some of the ways that the kids in Stranger Things did. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Also, I did like that they like the cyclist. At one point, they like put these like glasses on, these masks on, <laughs> these headphones on, and I'm sitting there like what a weird kind of thing to put on. And then later, like the scene where they're riding their bike, I'm like, oh, it's so we can't tell that they have like professional uh, BMX <laughs> riders doing yeah. this stuff because there's yeah. no way these 15-year-old like -old kids. kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, um, yeah. Cool. on to 60 Minutes. On to 60 Minutes. Go for it. So basically, um, so yeah, we watched several clips um, from various episodes of 60 Minutes in 1982 and a couple from some segments that had existed um, that didn't exist anymore, I guess, in the 80s. I realized that I really, I don't remember. Oh, you're talking about the point-counterpoint like point segment? point because Andy yeah. Rooney was always, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Andy so, Rooney yeah. was, yeah. Um, okay, so basically 60 Minutes is a um, magazine format documentary news TV show, which basically what that means, I think, from my understanding, is that the... Um, often the, like, the opening shot is sort of behind the host, that there is sort of a picture which looks like it could be a magazine page from an article about the, um, the story that they're, they're talking about. So it first aired in 1968. It continues to run to this day, 51 seasons and counting. Um, it typically consists of three long-form news stories, um, and basically they sort of undertake their own investigations as well as follow up on investigations initiated by other news outlets. Uh, and unlike most other news programs, one of the 
different, the biggest striking differences is that the journalists never share the screen with any other 60 Minutes uh, journalists, which suppose, which sort of creates a sense of intimacy between the journalist and the viewer, right? That's sort of, it's just you and them kind of watching and they're speaking directly to you. Um, and their reporting style and sort of the content is often a combination of these sort of probing investigative journalism, as well as these personality profiles, interviews and things like that. Um, and in the 70s, it also included a segment called Point Counterpoint, in which a liberal and a conservative commentator would debate a particular issue. Uh, and then from starting in 1978 up till 2001, the final segment of the program was this commentary by Andy Rooney. Usually it was lighthearted. He would cover a wide variety of topics um, for a short amount of time from politics, philosophy, everyday life. Um, five, the five worst inventions, mm -hmm. including dust jackets, according to him. Um, yeah, and that's basically the sort of form of 60 Minutes. Yeah, and it was it was number one in the ratings like five times, yeah. um, which is shared with The Cosby Show and All in the Family. Um, it's only surpassed by American Idol, but unlike those three shows, it's the only one and likely to be the only show really ever that is... Um, in three decades, number one. That right. um, was the first reporter-centered news program, which I think led to the format that we have now by cable news. I mean, it's a, in this decade that the ability for news, uh, the fair time rule is sort of lifted, and so you get a more personality-driven news system. Um, and so I think that, like, would, would we have like a show like Rachel Maddow or like uh, even, you know, Tucker Carlson, Glenn Beck and all these people where it's like their personality is what's sort of driving mm -hmm. the lens of the show uh, without 60 minutes remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it gave us Leslie Stahl. Um, Anderson Cooper is a part of 60 Minutes. Dan Rather, Diane Sawyer, Meredith Vieira, Walter Cronkite, Connie Chung, Brian Gumbel, Katie Couric, Charlie Rose, Sanjay Gupta. These are just to name a few. And these are people who are major names of uh, televised journalism. And they won, it's won 138 Emmys wow. and 20 Peabody's. Um, wow. Now, there have been some controversial uh, investigations where they have missed things. Um, one, they have the, there's like an Audi investigation that they did where the, it turns out they, the, the car that they were operating off of, cause it said that like the accelerator would accelerate when it wasn't supposed mm -hmm. to, um, that that car had been doctored and they didn't check on that. And even though they like corrected it, it still like tanked American Audi sales f until like 2000. Hmm. Um, and then with regards to the Andy Rooney segment, um, he has gotten himself in uh, some hot water because yes, it was like a fun relief from the heaviness of some of the rest of the news. But then he, um, and also would probably be something that like keeps people watching until the end. Mm -hmm. um, but he had a thing where he said yeah. it was a little, little rough. He was talking about um, things that cause premature death. And he said that uh, too much alcohol, too much food, drugs, homosexual unions, and cigarettes are all known to lead to premature death. And uh, it was, yeah. oops, oops. Um, 
Did he apologize for that one? I can't remember because he's had a couple that he apologized for. But right, the um, so he was pulled off of the show, and then four weeks went by, and twenty percent of the audience had dropped. So <laughs> then CBS back. was like, mm, "Bring it back, bring <laughs> it back." No, he has. Um, no, I, 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 I have not really. He may have, but I mm. haven't found it mm-hmm. any sort of apology. Mm. Yeah. Shall we Keep go these? on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Let's let's uh, let's 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 vote. Yeah. Yeah. Uno. I, yeah. Uno. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uno. Duos. <laughs> Trios. <laughs> you you made your weird thing. I made my yeah, weird thing. Yeah, I loved it. I Yay. loved it. Um. um yeah. Them both. both. I think. Uh, Et. Yeah. I'm actually weirdly confused about et but yes i think the the main points of the movie i definitely want to keep it for their like yeah but mm-hmm, yeah yes. no what so <laughs> just say what you're saying about et because i have thoughts well on ET too. i just so i like the message of the movie totally i think is this this you know it's this beautiful story and this this idea of accepting somebody who's unlike you and that kids have this kind of incredible kindness that that adults don't necessarily immediately have and that we can learn something from kids and, and, you know, it's just, and it's a fun, delightful story about, yeah, just sort of about like this acceptance, you know, and love. Um, Mm. and there's a lot of playful things about that and it's shot really interestingly, especially for the times, you know, that it was, that it came out in, you know, the creation of this ET puppet was incredible. Um, but I'm super confused about this, what it, the story there's so many weird mm-hmm. like inconsistencies and things that don't seem that are so implausible not talking about like an alien coming, right like somehow just, like, the like, alien part the alien is part, the most plausible yeah i was like i don't want to seem like oh if it's not naturalism it's not like well what are we doing an alien what right. never happened no, but yeah. like there are a bajillion things where i'm like what the fuck is going yeah. on right now yeah i made a huge list of of just like things that were Same. Where i was like i'm sorry what is this and so but but that makes me think that maybe so then i was like oh well maybe i there's there's a way that you can watch this movie and the whole movie could be like uh, fantasy, like not obviously, it's not real because it's an alien, right? Or maybe they're real, I don't know. But like a fantasy of like a troubled Elliot who's just dealing with his father leaving and being unseen by his family and not having friends who like invents this whole story, you know, where I was like, because there's so many things that don't make any sense, like just number one on the list being when these scientists arrive in the house, they're dressed. In astronaut uniform. They're dressed like astronauts with like the helmet and the astronaut thing. And I'm like, no. Space suit. A space. Thank you. Astronaut (laughs) uniform. We prefer. (laughs) We astronauts. Sorry. But like a little boy's imagination of what what these people would look like if they were to come into your house would totally be an astronaut. But if it was like the storytelling of like what are the real sort of government or scientist people, they wouldn't be wearing that, you know? And and that was a huge. That was that one made me think. Okay, maybe these other implausibilities are purposeful, so that it's sort of all the logic of a kid, because the logic of a kid doesn't f- match up with real world logic. I don't. I get. I get what you're saying, and like, there's a number of things like, um, you know, 
there I've, I've there's like reddit theories on on saved by the bell that like the whole like plot of the show is actually a dream in Zach Morris's head based on the fact that like the theme song is actually like really dark and doesn't mm. describe um Zach the way that Zach Morris sort of is depicted in the show in any way, but it does end with the sound of an alarm. So mm-hmm. it's like, Oh, maybe this is like going off as he's then has to like wake up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. I'll entertain that. This to me feels like it's like an era in Hollywood prior to like any sort of accountability to like reality, like like now we have you know Neil Degr- people like Neil deGrasse Tyson that then tell James Cameron, oh you know the stars in the sky during the Titanic sinking scene, those aren't right, mm-hmm. and then you know and then James Cameron is like oh fuck off and then releases a DVD edition with the corrected st- st- the sky, mm-hmm. um, you know I think that in 1982 it was like you had the whole film industry and then you had the science industry and so like. They just weren't talking together and talking to one another. And, and Spielberg is just like, okay, what looks cool? Like, okay, what's about what's happening in this moment? And how, how can we get it to look cool? So it's like, how do we get the arrival of the government to be scary? We'll have them come in and they'll be like big masked specters and spacesuits. And then what immediately caught me in that moment was it cuts to this sort of like, I almost made me think of Armageddon, like the big walking scene that they have, but it's like this walking scene, this ominous entrance of these guys and they're rolling the tube that they're going to use to like set up a safe sort of quarantine inside the house. But it's very obviously a collapsible tube. It very clearly has like, a spiral in it that would allow it to collapse. So I'm sitting there being like, why would they roll this? Right. <laughs> this is, you brought, I, I'm a hundred percent sure that you brought it to set mm-hmm. coiled Collapsed, up. Right. Like, but it doesn't look as cool. Right. Yeah. But, but guys ominously marching would also look scary. Mm-hmm. A, a caravan of government vehicles would also look scary. This rolling, this thing that you would never fucking roll. I mean, uh, something else that happened was, um, so apparently he got, when they're doing the like medical experiments on, or just like checking on them and like, on uh, ET and- so mm-hmm. ET after Halloween, he gets like very sick and ages very rapidly. And, um, unlike war of the worlds where it, you know, it's not from like pathogens in the atmosphere. I think it's kind of implied that it's from separation from his people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because they have like, as, as, as sort of mentioned in, in your, synopsis they're like very interconnected and like when they're approaching they're like or they're when they're in distress like when one of them notices something there are like hearts light up and they're able to sort of communicate with each other that way so i think that like the loss of that connection is what caused him to get so ill um but and then because he's joined with elliot they're both getting really sick and so they've set up this sort of medical quarantine and everyone's in masks. They're all in these like hazmat suit type things. And then ET flatlines. People freak out, rip down the plastic barriers, rip their masks <laughs> off, and they're doing. I'm like, this is that's not, not what that was for. Off. Like right. that was to protect right. you, you from, from this him. Alien not yeah. Know. I, I, I was no, like, I are you fucking kidding me? This is this yeah. is so impossible. But it looks dramatic and it looks right. cool. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, and because I I. So 
Yes, but there's also so many other things that aren't even science related. And also like Steven Spielberg knows that an astronaut you wouldn't an astronaut wouldn't appear in your house, you know. Uh, there's right. just so I just think it many... was about like the look, like how can we elevate the look of it? Right. But like so things like the so this and there's like an NSA van basically, mm-hmm. right? Like trolling the neighborhood looking for someone to be talking about that they have an alien in their home. Right. And and they so they are in their car down the street, and from inside the garage, Elliot and his brother are talking about they're making this machine so that um, E.T. can call, can phone home. And they're not on the phone, so it's not like the NSA people are listening to a phone call. They just somehow can hear them talking, A. Behind- Didn't you have one of those things as a kid where you like... It looks like a little satellite dish, and you point it, and you pull the trigger, and you Can you do that, like, through a listen. driveway door, I like, mean, down the street? if a toy could do it, then Okay, sure. So the then, like, they hear them. But they don't even say anything that has to do right. with an alien. They're like, he's upset. Don't say that. Like, right. why would they could think that Could be a that? brother. Could be yeah. a little baby. Uh, uh, my yeah. first thing that I saw was um, just the ship itself. I was like, there's a lot of lights on this ship. Why would there be like all the all the it's rockets so that we've made, all of the space shuttles we've made? None of them have any fucking lights on the outside because you don't need lights on the outside <laughs> of a ship. Right. You, it's not like you're in space with headlights on. Like you <laughs> don't need these right. lights unless you want people to see you. <laughs> right. right, unless it's like a like a took like a calling ship. Yeah, and uh, don't think that's what it was. It was just like it was very clear that like technology, the future means lights. Mm-hmm. Even in the van, mm-hmm. it's like the. That they had to like work on is just full of all these flashing lights, and yeah. I'm like, no one would design it so that it's like, okay, when this when this whole board is when power goes on, it's just it's gonna flash, and that way you always know that power is on. Like, what? W- there is no benefit to that. Yeah, yeah, more, more. Give me There's more. so many more. Well, so a like, how does any? I guess this is a thing that happens a lot in a lot of movies. But how does how did Elliot find ET? So the next morning. So basically, the morning or the night when E.T. like first arrived, when Elliot realizes he's in the shed, Elliot runs inside, E.T. runs away. And then the next day, Elliot is like biking through a totally different area up through this other section of forest and drops Reese's Pieces there. And a totally different direction from where E.T. went. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then also later in the movie, the mom, when they're biking away trying to get E.T. to the spaceship, the mom is driving her car and she somehow finds them in the middle of the forest in her car. Like, not a place that anyone ever went to. Right. Uh, The dissection of frogs in this class... Uh, we Brutal. did di- we did dissection in our di- elementary or middle school, whatever. But this, they literally have live frogs in a jar, and they drop in chloroformed cotton balls, and they're supposed to operate on them while they're alive, also, like, and bring not kill them. But also, there won't be very much blood. The teacher said, and you have to like make sure their heart's beating, and you're gonna like watch like, your frog that pass is out. Insanely grotesque. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just like where culture was in the 80s where it's like animal rights what's that let's cut it open but i'm like to ask a child to just take a living thing and kill it and then operate on it is like crazy oh, i we i was watching it with my roommate and like could not believe that that happened right yeah um the just what they use to make this device that does manage to call home basically the shape mm-hmm. of the umbrella makes it work because it's a similar to like the shape of like a radar blip. Mm-hmm. Like 
that makes no. Well, they also put like foil on the inside. Well, there you go. Okay, you're right. You know what? I take it back. Umbrella and foil foil is all you need. Um, the so the scene when um this maybe is just more like a storytelling. Like why didn't this happen when ET? So when ET Elliot's in school doing the frog thing, ET is at home getting drunk. Like he finds some beers, and he and so Elliot meanwhile in class is like also getting yeah. drunk um but then later the mom comes home and she finds the empty beer cans Insane. she looks at them and she doesn't she lives alone with three children and she doesn't go up to one of her kids and is like who the fuck drank right. this beer she's not you like, know? like somebody was fucking drinking beer in the middle of the day cr- like right. yeah insane <laughs> like she just kind of looks at it and is like no oh, that's my life you know right. i didn't understand that there was um there were it was there were a couple moments where my roommate was like man, she is a bad mom. And I'm just sitting there being like, I don't think she's painted to be a bad mom. I think I was just sitting there being like, why was she written to do this? During the, during the Dungeons and Dragons scene, she comes in to do dishes in like a satin robe. There are like five teenage boys in the room and she comes in in like a thigh length satin robe to do dishes right. no fucking right. way is a mom gonna do that oh i know and then on halloween she wears this like kitten outfit but she just has like stayed that just kind of made me sad i was like right. she just like stayed home the whole night and then i don't know but right. yeah. and then you know they're walking and like obviously for effect there's like you know a, a little monster a little kid dressed as Yoda walks by Mm -hmm. and he sort of is like, Oh, uh, you know, like someone like me and like kind of turns and I'm sitting there being like, well, the implications of this is that a child is walking down the street alone in a costume. Exactly. No, I was thinking that too. This is insane. And there's just an adult in really good zombie makeup walking just with her dog doing trick or treating. And I was like, what is the world of this trick or treating here? Cause this does not make sense. But it's like just, I think it's just to like, have a cool image. Right. Um, also, I used to. My roommate he was not paying attention. He doesn't really pay attention a lot. He'll like. He's the kind of person that like. You'd be like, oh, let me show you something. And he's like, great. And then he's like, on Twitter. And you're like, I <laughs> wanted to show you. Yeah. Um, in, in in total fairness to him, he was. I just had it on, so he was just along for the ride. But I, every time they would show the big bad, I would be like, them keys. Them keys again, mm-hmm. and then and then he event, like uh, two thirds of the way through the movie, he was like, "Why do you keep saying keys?" I'm like, "Because the motif they have chosen to indicate who this character is is that he's got keys on his belt. Like he pulls up in the forest, gets out the car, and mm-hmm. then it just shows him from the waist down, and it's like mm, keys, waistband mm-hmm. keys. Mm-hmm. Then next time you see him, boom, waistband keys. And then I watch with subtitles on, and when they like, he's like walking up to the house." at night and like stands in the driveway and it literally says keys jingling. And I was like, them <laughs> keys, them keys. And uh, yeah. But it, then when we actually meet him, they don't show his keys. Yeah. No, so key. you're he never like, uses you don't keys. even realize that like, was the, he got the person, keys potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also I'm like, so ET, so when we first see the aliens, they seem to be communicating to each other through their mm-hmm. little red light up chests. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess he's, you know, aliens often anyways are shaped to sort of be very, to seem human-like, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, sure. But he doesn't, if he never needed verbal language to communicate, then the idea of him learning to speak is just 
impossible. Yeah. You know, because like it made me think of the arrival, you know, like mm-hmm. the, you know, where it's just sort of like, how do these aliens speak? They don't use language in any of the same ways that we use them. So right. you can't, so you have to conceive of the idea of communication in totally different ways. So, you know, if they had been speaking some alien language in the beginning or something, then I would have bought it far more. Right. But they don't even, like, they use light and, like, some kind of connection between them to right. communicate in some way, it seems. Also, in terms of evolution, um, they have very large hearts that mm-hmm. are used to communicate. Thus, thus, they're important. They have these very thick, pronounced rib cages, and yet when the heart lights up, it's very clear they have no, like, osteal protection <laughs> for their heart. I'm seeing them being like, one, that means the rib cage literally curves back in so that the heart's on the outside. And then also their heart is just like a flesh layer away from, <laughs> they would not survive. Right, right. And then because my brain was already in this place of this movie makes no fucking sense, like the idea that he can extend his head and, and lower it, I'm seeing there being like, this means that like the spinal cord like moves up and down, which would also mean that it would have to be like, like sliding between ribs. I'm like, this just, it could not happen at all. Um, It, I was like, this is why this makes no sense. I I did not like it at all. Um, But again, you're very like, as far as the, the fact that they made that puppet that can do that, they're going to show, they're just so proud of that. So they're going to show that off. Um, There was also a moment of product placement where Elliot is carrying sodas in his arms while he's also like holding food and there the sodas are like balanced on his forearms so that we can like still read it i'm saying like just put in another scene so they can read that it's a coke can (laughs) because no one carries something in their elbow without tucking it between their arm and their body Mm -hmm. like it just, just wouldn't Right, happen. It's it on so your outer elbow. right. Yeah, like that's it's yeah. just stupid. Apparently, the sale of Reese's pieces like exploded after this movie mm-hmm. because you know they're what he uses to find ET, which are so tasty. Ooh. They are, especially if you refrigerate them. Oh, um, great idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. But then, uh, so two. The, I, I mentioned that there were some changes made for the 20th yeah. anniversary edition. One is that through a closed door, as he's like getting ET ready or whatever. Uh, to because basically they dress E.T. up like a ghost and then they pretend that the ghost is Drew Barrymore, the little mm-hmm. sister, so that they can take E.T. Can out and the mom won't know. Um, well, through the door, you hear that his brother, Michael, has dressed up and the mom doesn't like his costume and won't let him go. And she says, you're not going out dressed like a terrorist. Yeah. And then... He was like, but all the other guys are. And it's like a fucking terrorist. Now, granted, this is the 1980s, but still, odds are the like origin of a terrorist mm-hmm. would still be the same. It would still be, it would probably be, and this is me going out of limb, but based on like, this time period's proximity to like Entebbe and the Olympics in like, so it would most likely be the probably like a Palestinian terrorist. Mm. So it's like still this world of like, you know, somehow we've come back around to like Arab terrorists, you know, mm. cause in the mid nineties, you, we have a lot of sort of like 
a lot more like white male domestic terrorists like Ted Kaczynski and things. But at this time, probably be that it's not like you can't say, oh, I, I have one image of a terrorist in my head right now of the, the, the of stereotyping. It's 1982. It wouldn't be that way. But it actually probably would be. And it's like just fucked up that he would have the idea to put in this movie uh, for kids mm. that he's dressing up like a terrorist. Mm. And then they change it to hippie in in the 20th anniversary ah. edition. Um, and then they change when the kids are like trying to escape the cops and they like take off and fly off in the original, the cops are all like holding shotguns and like brandishing them. And then like they change those to walkie talkies and you know, it was, you know, lambasted for, you know, what, what does the guy say? Time out. Um, yeah, the, uh, Peter Travers, he's a, he was a, um, Rolling Stone, a journalist, for Rolling Stone said, it's like, Oh, look at what 20 years has done to free speech. And it's like fucking one, first God. of all, not the same thing. And then second of all, fucking, do you, you what well, you want this? Yeah. To have guns also, the kids. Yeah. I'm seeing there being like, okay. Yeah. Again, another thing that looks scary looks threatening but like in terms of police protocol it's like oh you're gonna fucking shoot a shotgun at like five Five kids and guess who's immediately on the other side of those children well first off elliot is under the age of 10 and given some of the episodes i've seen of law and order he might not be legally accountable for his actions and therefore like they he would be shooting an innocent person and then also like who's the the cops have been chasing them, which means on the immediate other side are more cops. So he's not going to shoot a scattershot weapon (laughs) at other cops. Like, (laughs) it's just absolutely implausible. Sorry, free speech, you know, (laughs) constitution. Get rid of the fucking shotguns because it's just so unbelievable. Right. You know, it... It's stupid. This is why I really think like all these, all of these implausibilities are so much the product. Like, yes, it's about what looks cool, but, but what does that mean? It's like a kid's imagination of what is cool and what is sort of masculine and exciting, you know? And so that's why I'm standing by my, I'm only more cementing in my theory that this is all some kind of, you know, a metaphor for this kid dealing with some, some emotional trauma. Um, even though there's nothing I would, about I, it. I love in the, the idea of that, especially since in the world of Steven Spielberg, that is exactly what he was doing. Right. Um, in terms of him like coping with his parents' divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, also, there's a scene where, like, you know, yes, when it's first referenced that their father has, has gone to Mexico with his new, uh, like, girlfriend lover, wife, un- unclear, um, you know, the, the mother's very emotionally affected. But from this point on, every time the word Mexico is said, she, like, bursts into tears, <laughs> including, like, in front of police. And I'm like, wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't happen. She might, like, smack her kid and tell her to shut up, but not, like... Yeah. would not just become not lose sight of the fact that she's like sitting in front of this police officer and, and right and that know. she's talking to him because she thinks her child is missing right yeah yeah that that would be f- foremost on her mind yeah why so why do you want to keep it 
I, I think the reason that I want to keep it is that like I think that we need to have a so with the exception of a surprise kiss in which drunk Elliot stands on the class fat kid to yeah. surprise kiss a girl the, yeah. the a girl who then, then is not in the movie anymore right but like is so pleased with the kiss that she smiles and it like shows her feet as they like kind of like bevel out and then I'm like with the exception of that and like the bathrobe scene and then also he's uh, they ask um Gertie is like Gertie is like uh is he a boy or a girl and Elliot's like he's a boy yeah. and I'm saying like why eh. do you think that yeah the implication is you have seen some kind of the only way that you would know right. is you've seen some kind of alien dick right. and then and then at one point he dre- uh Gertie Drew Barrymore right. dresses ET up in like makeup and and some women's mm-hmm. clothes and Elliot freaks out yeah. and it says like you know at least let him keep his dignity right so that is like obviously like gender constrictive cuz it's not really even i mean yes it is transphobic but also like you don't have to be trans right. to, to, to wear, wear different clothes non-gender sure. conforming right and each is having a great time right you know? and it's just the yeah. idea that like you have to be like you have to be rigidly patriarchal and right. in conformist and that and gender conforming in that way it's like oh, okay um uh heteronormative i guess would be the mm-hmm. word that i was looking for um and so with the exception of those, those several things yeah <laughs> several things um like everything the 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 most objectionable things about the movie are just that I think it's stupid and and kind of bad um and like <laughs> it's just so unbe- un- unbelievable in a way that I'm like you just could have done it slightly differently and also a scene in which there's like a I'm sorry it's just the image of there's a scene where you see a door and there's a window with the blinds down and you see some guy like walking back and forth and then it shows the the bottom of the door and there's a cord running through and it's like the slack is getting pulled out and then it's like plugged into an outlet. And I've seen there being like, that means he plugged a device in, walked into the room and then closed the door. Right. It's like, it does not not make sense. What, what, what even that device was. Right. It's like that way they don't have to have a device. They can just have a shadow walking back and forth, but just don't have a cord. Use an outlet that's already in the bedroom. Like it just doesn't, it, it just doesn't make any plausible sense. Right. They sacrificed, you know, right. plausibility for cool shots. But I, the, I think that we are not, I think that I have to force myself to like, not judge based on quality mm. and be like, it, it, like, is this movie like the intention outright harmful? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think that there are a number of things that are that I don't like, and so it's not zero percent harmful. But I don't think it's over fifty percent harmful. No, I think I, it's, and yeah, so I agree. just think that, like, you know, if we got if we can't just be keeping movies that are both positive and good, like I don't know that we're here to to toss things based on sure, quality. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed. And I think that the intentions of the sh- the movie and like the there's a lot of things a that we maybe wouldn't have Stranger Things without this movie. And true, very I true. I don't want to not have had Stranger Things, um, but yeah, that it's it does feel like it's its messaging is is kind of or, or the sort of main ideas of it are things that I can get behind, you know, and and are sort of like you know exciting ideas for children, like the fact that it's really not a children's movie you know it's really for everybody and for adults Mm -hmm. and and the sort of imagination and the innocence and the love and everything of it and i think is really lovely um yeah so i agree it is just a lot of it is just kind of stupid um and thoughtless seemingly um or at least like it wasn't expecting the audience to be thinking hard enough to Mm -hmm. catch these things that make no sense um which you know don't like as an audience member to be sort of assume that I'm not going to be paying attention closely. Right. But yeah, but I'm, I agree with you though. Yeah. I think the thing that I like the least about this movie is Steven Spielberg, (laughs) you know, like not the movie itself. It seems fine. You know, I I had forgotten. I had written that he has a a quote um, because he like wrote a treatment for a sequel Mm. where the boys get kidnapped by evil aliens. Oh no. Um, But he felt like it would rob the original film of its virginity. Oh, and I'm God. like, God damn it, Steven Spielberg. That's not, <laughs> that's virginity? awful. Leave it. Yeah. I mean, what if you do, if anything, you should be like, oh, I'm not including what people latched onto about the film, which is E.T. and the connection between Elliot and E.T. So like, if you make a sequel that only has Elliot and then evil and aliens. Evil, right, we're not going to care about that. It's, a, if it's, a, it's, a it's not movie. a sequel. It's a different right. movie. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Um so it's like, yeah, Steven Spielberg, you're the one I don't like. Mm-hmm. But I do like that, um, who hot segue alert. Mm-hmm. Um, in in <laughs> the interview that we watched uh, from 60 Minutes where he was being, where Steven Spielberg was being interviewed, um, you know, I mentioned that Columbia Pictures thought that it was like a weak Disney ripoff and would only draw little kids. Well, in that 60 Minutes interview, the commentator, the interviewer, journalist describes it as you know, kind of an adult fairy tale. Mm. So I'm like, oh, once it came, once it was released, it's like, it's seen as an adult movie, but based on the script, it was like passed on because I thought Mm -hmm. it would only appeal to kids. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, that was a hot segue. Let's let's segue into 60 minutes. See how that... And that, turned, that, that also segued hot, into the sizzle. Hot segue. Made into the ticking. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Little too what, on the nose, but what's a word that means on the nose? There's like a word. It's a literal. pretentious word. Literal. Oh. Not that potential. No, that's... What? <laughs> I fucked oh, up. Oh. You said potential instead of pretentious. I said potential, really. I put that on there, <laughs> man. Dumb. Whoopsie. That's dumb. You're so stupid, Steven. You're stupid. Um, 60 minutes though. I just have to say that I want to keep it because I, it is so amazing that a news show was the top rated TV show. And like you said, not just once, but in 1979 in 1982, 1991 through 1993. That's amazing. And like the fact that a news show could do that and could, you know, deliver the news in a way that so many people that almost everyone in the U S was watching it, Mm -hmm. uh, just gives me so much joy and so much hope, you know, for, for Americans, because it's like, instead of watching, yeah, whatever else, it's like they chose to watch this. And that's, I just want to celebrate that so much. I agree. And, and the, also 
the show itself has good intentions. You know, the there are mistakes that the show has made. The issue with the Audi 5000 that I brought up. Um, Every time you say that, I think you're saying Audi, like the I'm Audi, Audi 5000. No, like, Although, is that where that came investigating from? Investigating the Holy Audi belly button, out belly button is what I... I got you, but but like the well, Audi... Have you ever heard anyone go like, oh, I'm Audi 5000? I've you, never heard that. I Well, I have, and now I'm just putting it together that Audi, because Audi's like, obviously because of a 15-year-long precipitous drop in sales, I like never heard of an Audi until I was like... Yeah, 20s. I don't actually know what an out in my head it's yeah. like a sports car. I don't but it's probably Yeah, not. it's like a luxury oh, it is. Car. It's like there a Lexus. Go. Think of okay. it like a Lexus. It's yeah. not like a it's not like a Porsche. Sure. But it's like because uh, you know it's the one it's the one with the four circles. Mm, now I know. Actually, mm. an Audi five thousand is what has five thousand circles. No, well, it's like it's like, you know, like Merce- I guess Mercedes would probably be a good parallel because Mercedes also just uses a number system, mm-hmm. which for some reason makes it it's impossible cool. for me to remember. <laughs> no, because if people are like, What's a Toyota Corolla? I'm like, Okay, I have an idea. No, I know. But then someone's like, it's What's 5, a 000. what's a Mercedes five oh six SLE? Yeah. You're like, I have fucking no idea. No idea. Um, but the um Audi five thousand is what the family drives in E. T. Oh, really? Yeah, that's her car. I was like, I was like, oh, out of 5,000. Oh, wow. Um, well done. And then, so, the, and, but, but, but other times saying. they've caused controversies, mm-hmm. which, um, like, they investigated this pesticide mm-hmm. and called, like, it has another chemical name, but, like, Alar or Alar. And they were like, oh, this is harmful. And, like, they were not slandered. They were just sort of like, uh, these like Apple lobbies uh, <laughs> like did retaliate, but eventually that pesticide got banned. So like the investigation didn't lead to that. I mean, that's not like, that's just a controversy, mm-hmm. but it's not something they did wrong. Now they did, um, there, there are two instances. Um, well, well, there's like four things actually. Uh, one is a guy named Werner Earhart who was like, he eventually went on, he's like a lifestyle person, like self-help guy. Basically he's the foundation of like, have you, have you heard of landmark? Mm-hmm. He's basically the founder of that. And they like did this investigation into him and they depicted some false allegations. Um, and he sued them, but the case was dropped because he, according to him, like in order to win, he would actually have to prove that they in, intentionally maligned him, which is just like a really difficult thing to prove. So he dropped it. However, 60 minutes has pulled that segment from their archive. Like you, you're not able to watch it. Um, and then there was also like this tobacco company. Um, they, from, from a high ranking person at this tobacco company, Brown and uh, Brown and Williamson, they got this. Uh, they got information that they were hiding information about what they had put into the cigarettes, like different additives and and chemicals. And they wanted to break the story, but members, of the son of the president of CBS, control also controlled a tobacco company, and so they were the producers were nervous that by alienating 
this tobacco company that they would then like lose money and lose funding and jeopardize mm-hmm. the business of the son of CBS. And so they like suppressed the story and then the Wall Street Journal ended up breaking it and then they did release it, but they pulled a lot of the more damning evidence and then eventually it went on to be um, investigated by Vanity Fair who like 60 minutes, the 60 minutes controversy, like, um, cover up was then exposed by Vanity Fair. Um, so that was like, that was an instance of conscious wrongdoing. Um, and then also the main guys, uh, Jeff Fager and Don Hewitt, uh, producers, they were implicated in a sexual harassment investigation after, uh, Les Moonves of CBS stepped down because of sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. So you have these three bad players and a an intentional and like intentional wrongdoing um, in an, an investigation related to tobacco. But like if you removed those figures, you would still have 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And like it's not its existence and its popularity isn't really based on those figures. You know, um I think the like the Andy Rooney segment to me, I'm like, that is more in, indicative of like the show's wrongdoing. If they're just willing to capitulate to audience members and like, and choose money over the fact that this guy, you know, said that is homophobic. Yeah. And like <laughs> says that being gay leads to death. Mm-hmm. Um, that I find to be worse, but again, you know, pfft, Spoiler alert, Andy Rooney's dead and the show goes on. So like Right, that these these people are not like if you if you remove them, the thing would still be there with its integrity. Right. Potentially. Yeah. 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 I also kind of feel like maybe this is a bad thing because I don't love reality TV, but there's I I, I felt so watching it, I felt so much of like I wonder if like some of the seeds of reality television kind of come from 60 minutes also. Mm. I don't actually know when the first reality TV show came out, but, um, was it the real world? Oh, maybe it was the real world. Yeah. Which was, so that was the nineties. Right. Um, but like the ways that, so, you know, we watched some of the segments we watched, which were the sort of investigative journalism components. Well, there's two things. So one is I'll stick with the first one that I was about to say, um, just how like, they, you know, going into, so we watched one that was about this heroin addict and his struggle for recovery. Uh, and so not only did we like sort of see, of course, like interviews with him and, and like see him going about his day and also like literally shooting heroin, which was pretty intense to see on television, you know, on like the news. Um, but also sort of the way, just like getting these sort of snippet, like snapshots into the way of life of somebody who you don't normally get to see mm-hmm. and how we as, of course, as Americans, like have a fascination with that or as, as people, you know, you have a fascination right. with something that you don't usually get to experience. Um, and, uh, oh, and, oh no, I lost it. I lost it. Get it. Get Catch it. that thread. Get it. Catch that thread. Get it. I'm reaching for it. Um, no, no, that's distracting. Bring it back. Well, I'll go oh, to the other one. Maybe bring I'll remember it. Back. it. Whatever. Um, the other part of it, though, um, basically that part being like like taking a camera into a place where, mm-hmm. you know, you see real people doing real things, but it's also kind of structured. It's, right. you know, it's consciously structured. But then the other thing, too, of even just the idea of how the host or the journalist is such a presence in this uh, show, how, you know, the way in a lot of 
reality TV shows, it's like there's contestants, but also there's like the people who are kind of orchestrating it and they also become, you know, they're sort of like the anchors of mm-hmm. the news anchors or something, you know? And so, and so their personality, you see their personality in, you know, in the sort of segments that they do or in the way that they're talking to the contestants and stuff like that in a way that I feel like you see like clips like we saw with this woman who's the journalist interviewing, not even interviewing, but just sort of like being in the life of this one guy who's a heroin addict. Like you see her in the background and you see her watching, you know, his life. And and there's just kind of like this feeling that feels very similar to a lot of like reality television and kind of the way it's structured. The one that's like, like calling out to me in particular is besides, besides like just the living shows, but uh, like big brother, Mm. because that has, um, what's her name? What's her name? Oh, in the woman that hosts. Oh, I don't know. No, Julie, Julie Chen, Julie Chen. Um, yeah, she. The way that she like introduces and like will talk during you know before and after commercial breaks and things like that. It's very much. It's too camera. It's more journalistic. I think she was the host of. She was either she was. Kill me. She was on like a Good Morning America or, or Today Show type show. Um, so it had very much sort of. So she is already. A, a telejournalist. Is that a word? A telejournalist? Sure. I'll Google it no. for you. But, uh, yeah, so she already was coming from that world, and it actually did do some things no. to, um, well, it is now, okay, Shakespeare, <laughs> um, uh, in that he coined words. So, I understood. Yeah. yeah, I just wanted to make sure that it was clear for yeah. everyone. Mm-hmm. But, yes. Yeah, so, like, mm-hmm. uh so that that has a very similar. It reminds me of the in the the space shuttle one that that we watched. There was a um, basically this company that was contracted to um, build the first space shuttle. There was just a lot of graft and waste and attempt an intentional upcharging um, at the expense of the government. And so they it was being investigated, and there would be interview, 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 and then it cuts to the the anchor who is then sort of going to camera. Um, it reminded me very much of of Big Brother in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would absolutely believe that it mm-hmm. brought things. Up. Does The Bachelor do that? I don't watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, but part of me feels like Probably. it may have. I mean, at the very least, they like introduce what's going to happen that mm-hmm. night to the audience, you know, like, sure. if, right? At the very least, they like set it up for us. Yeah, I've never watched it outside actually. of a laundromat, so La- like, I don't know. I don't know. Specific. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's, yeah. uh, you don't get the choice on the TV, so no, I watch a true. lot more yeah, of yeah. The Real and oh, a lot more, yes. <laughs> yeah, the right? The Real. On. Yeah, and doctor's offices and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. But yeah, but and I love, one another thing that I just think is an effect that its particular style has on me as a viewer is just sort of that it doesn't feel like it's only about delivering the story, but it is also kind of about showing the audience like what goes into the making of a story in the sense of like how you see the you know the conversation between the interviewer and the person they're interviewing and how you know we see the the journalist kind of on there and every step of the way are kind of guiding guiding us Mm -hmm. through what happens so we see them both like introduce it we see them in interviews we see them kind of analyzing the interviews we see them just sort of walking around like with the person with voiceover happening you know and like sort of so it feels like they're sort of bringing us into the whole process of Mm -hmm. like telling the story and the fact that it is one of the something i found somewhere about like 
what they do is, you know, that their goals are about, you know, talking about issues and stories that have big, important, huge impacts, but like really focusing on the individuals who are in some way involved with those impacts, which just, of course, you know, sort of obviously is an amazing way to like get us to understand and care about issues that are really important is if you're actually kind of doing it through the lens of, well, let me talk to this person, right. you know, and we see that person as a real person and we understand them. Like the whole episode about the heroin, the guy who's addicted to heroin, you know, it's like we saw, we know that, you know, heroin addiction is a problem. And then you also, you see this person who's actually like struggling through it and we follow them for like two weeks and, you know, it just kind of creates this more human empathetic impact than it would if kind of, you know, he was just sort of a statistic or a name that wasn't interacted with in the same way. Mm-hmm. So I just, and that's probably, you know, I wonder if that's part of the reason why it was so popular is just that like it really connects these big broad topics on a sort of human level. Yeah. Should we talk mm-hmm. about, uh, we haven't mentioned point, point counterpoint. counterpoint. <laughs> yeah. So we only watched one of them, but basically it's just like these two, you know, commentators, in like a little black box. Like mm-hmm. It was, so the one we watched was from 78 and yeah. it was basically like, I guess the question or the point was like, what is the state of the world to, of America today? Right. And the woman who's like the liberal, she was like, this is a terrible time. Things are crazy. Like the stocks are down. People are hungry while other people are obese. And she had like all these like really specific things. And then it just sort of flashed over to the other guy, the conservative guy, who was right. just sort of like, the skies are blue, and if you take a plane across the country, you see the beautiful hills of Virginia. And you're like, what are you? You have nothing to right. You have and no way to prove your point right now. Right. Well, also, I just felt like y'all aren't also in dialogue. No, you yeah. Know, it was what, a weirdly was a scripted strange... monologue that was like supposedly to each other. Right. But you could feel that they were like, you know, it's like me saying, well, this is my point. And Stephen, I'm excited to hear what you think about. This is my point, you know, right. And like, and then it's like, and now it's your turn to talk. There wasn't any sense of argument or dialogue or even like actual points being made. It was just sort of like my opinion and now your opinion. Right. And like, I'm going to contradict you, even though I'm not like saying anything or laying out any points. Um, and this is actually something from the show that has lasted a long time. Um, shall I say a misogynistic word that I don't like? Should I use it if it was used in Saturday Night Live in the 70s by Dan Aykroyd? Go for it, I guess. Um, but uh, it's all, and it's also referenced in The Office uh, when on like safety day when Michael's going to like jump off the roof. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's said to Dwight. Uh, but in, in Saturday Night Live, they used to parody point counterpoint and, uh, Jane Alexander or Jane Curtin would, um, do the, do the liberal sign. And then when it go to Dan Aykroyd, he would go, Jane, you ignorant slut. And then (laughs) like go and just sort of tear apart everything Mm -hmm. that, that she had done. And, and, um, then that's, parodied mm-hmm. also by michael scott later on sure. um yeah i regret it yeah but well i, told I did you get you your should permission because so. i didn't understand what yeah. you were gonna either way do so, so you're really fine your, with misogyny everybody it's on the record gina stevenson fine wow with misogyny. wow um wow yeah i know it shocked me too <laughs> but uh also interesting thing the reason so this did, was not running in 1982 uh, but why? Um, and it was canceled because this segment. This segment was canceled because 
originally it was James J. Kilpatrick as the conservative and Nick Vaughn Hoffman for the liberal. Well, after Nick Vaughn Hoffman left the show in 74, a woman named Shanna Alexander took over. And in 1979, she was like, I want a pay raise of $350 a week. Mm. And they were like, no. God. Segment done. Um, so yeah, like she oh. did it for five years. And they wouldn't And they were like, no, nope, no raise. Sorry. Bye. Ugh. Yeah. For what was the top rated TV show that yeah. year. Right. No, yeah, no, That's very crazy. Did she ever? And that was it. Was just it. It never came back. Yeah, it never came back. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's it's like it's sort of parodied, and I would argue mm-hmm. also laid the ground for shows like Crossfire, mm-hmm. um, which was like canceled from CNN um, because they weren't really saying anything. <laughs> um, there you go. But actually, John Stewart was the one that that did that. That like went on and crossfire and was like, y'all don't talk about anything. Mm. It's such a fake dialogue. It's stupid. And you, you guys need to stop doing what you're doing. Cause you're sickening American discourse. Wow. And then there you go. Sure enough, they got canceled and Tucker Carlson laughed it all the way to the bank. Um, yeah. But, uh, this was, it was also referenced in airplane in 1980 in which, uh, like the conservative, a fake version of the conservative commentator. He, it, it's it's what is being parodied for anyone who's seen Airplane when it's like goes to the news and the guy's sitting in a chair and going, they bought the plane tickets. They knew what they were getting into. And it's just, you know, they're debating whether or not it's okay for the plane to crash. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. They knew what they were getting <laughs> into. Yeah. Hmm. I've never seen it. Uh, uh. It's very funny. It probably, uh, we should, well, I'm sure we'll do an episode on it at some point. Great. Let's do it. Um, should we reassess how we feel? Have we changed how we feel? Have Um, you, how do you, have you changed how you feel? I feel the same. I feel the same. We're going to keep them both. We're going to keep them both. Yeah. We keep them both. One, because badness is not a quality. Thanks. Forgive me. Let me <laughs> no. raise I know, I thought the you were just pretension saying, level. We're keeping one because badness. Because <laughs> badness. We're keeping no. this. Yeah. No, um, yeah, well, you know, this, this badness is a snack. No, um, it's... I should die. I should yeah, just I die for saying just, that. I don't um, But, you know, quality is not one of our uh, criteria. Mm. And then also because you could just... If you, you could replace 60 Minutes with a whole new crew and right. it could live on. Yeah. yeah. And because of the way time works, um, we, we will. Linearly. If the show continues, they will. Ooh. Continue. Ooh. Oh, they'll die and it will, they will be replaced. Many of them have. What? That's just how time works. Wait, Sorry, boo-boo. What? I thought we all knew. No. I thought we all knew. I have no idea. Oh, I'm sorry, Gina. I didn't note. mean to um, reshape your whole worldview. You did, though. Yeah. Uh, next time, we're going to be in 1983. Ooh. The top grossing film, we're coming back to a franchise we know and love. Ooh. It's Return of the Jedi. Dun, 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 dun. Sister. <laughs> so right. you have a twin sister. And yeah. the 
to the movie, the best picture is Terms of Endearment. Which I have never seen, but I Nor hear it I. sad. I hear that it tears It looks very fall. sad. Yeah. We also, love that. Also, what a great year in music i just want to point out while we're while we're at it mm. uh for next, for, next I mean, yeah next year um oh, yeah. there's what a feeling down under by minute work beat it total eclipse of the heart man eater maniac sweet, sweet dreams. dreams are made of these who am i to disagree yeah i'm also like that came out so long ago yeah, and yet it did. just because it's one of those songs that I feel like I grew up and it was just sort of in the air. I'm mm-hmm. like, I have no idea of when this came out. I just know that like, no matter, yeah. it's like wherever you pin it, I would be surprised because it's just sure. it's something that's there. like part of the mm-hmm. landscape. Right. Yeah. Um, well, Steven mm, hit me. Okay. With a sweet, I don't sweet love these aren't, I'm going to give you some five. options. Mm. Oh, I was going to no, know for your, um, Oh, hashtag. for me. Hashtag. You hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> um, Okay, so a couple options, just because I none of them are my favorite. Okay, so I will be hashtag rigorous. ergo, just straight up hashtag ergo. That actually might be fun. I'm actually just gonna. Give what you was that. the thing that I said that was wrong? Oh, you, ie. Ie. Hash ie is not really. No, but I'm wondering it should be like hashtag. Uh, uh, I wonder if it's like ergo versus ie. I don't know if anyone will be able to understand what that is when it's written out. Well, but. You know. They have to. You, I guess, to the can go. So it would be E R E G O V S I do want to hear the other ones. Is it possible for Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, hot segue alert. I feel like that could be a fun one. Apple lobby. Because that was a really funny little Apple lobby moment that we glided over. Badness is a snack. I mean, badness is a snack is the most like. It's like, the most hashtag of a sure. hashtag. Like, <laughs> but like, if I were just to be writing like, oh, I want to go to the movies, hashtag ergo, <laughs> I'm going to do both. But if I'm like, oh, this this cool this car, th- ooh, man, <laughs> badness is a snack. Like, yeah. Wait, so which do you like better? I can't I think tell. I, might like, I, 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 I think I might like Badness as a snack. Great, if I great. still have an opinion. Yeah. You know, I don't want to, you know. No, please. That's why I yeah. wanted to give you some. Um, I just like saying hashtag ergo out loud. But I think I mean, Badness is a snack. Also, I'm badness happy to include snack. hashtag ergo somewhere. Um, That's great. Yeah. Okay, I have some haikus. I don't know. I don't know if this haiku thing's working. What don't do you worry. And you know what? If you feel like it's right, you read them and hashtag ergo, I'll let you know how I feel. That was definitely the appropriate usage yeah, of, of the word ergo. ergo. Um, okay, number one. Ready? I'm just getting in the haiku mood. The people want news, not sports, soaps, or family shows. Saved by the stopwatch. Which is funny because you mentioned Saved by the Bell. Whoa. Ooh. And to, to close us out, stubby legs, big eyes, he is meant to remind us we all deserve It's very much like, like a casting a spell on you. Like yeah, it's, it's like it's like smooth jazz in a sauna. <laughs> I just ooh, hot somebody jazz. somebody put some hot jazz, <laughs> hot jazz. Somebody put some put some water on those coals, baby. Badness is a snack.
He does, it sounds like an alien. Yeah. yeah. Uh, B. B. Ouch. Ouch. Oh, also, oh, wasn't it so sound? He was like putting his heart and then he was like, ouch. Ouch. Yeah, his heart hurts. All right, so everybody, this is. Are we still live? Oh, good. Thank God, because because we. I'm Stephen Moskis. Oh, you're Gina Whithag, and we are a rock rising podcast. And I know that you all know this, but follow us on Instagram. Follow us on the Twitter. Um, we want to engage with you. Talk to us. Do you want to keep these movies? Do you think that we got it Great. wrong? So and then also, what movies do you time. want us to do? Oh, yeah. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.